This is your Frederick Real Estate Update, a conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, REMAX Results' Darren Ahern and Presidential Bank Mortgage's Terry Kernan. Good morning, everybody. This is Terry Kernan coming to you live from the Frederick studio, and I am waiting on Darren Ahern. He is stuck in traffic, and I was stuck in traffic. It took me almost an hour to get up here from Montgomery County. Um, so if you're out traveling today, set some extra time for you. Um, but thanks for joining us, and I will kind of give the market update on what's going on. I'm sure you're all on pins and needles because of what's happening in your stocks, what's happening in the interest rates, and what's happening uh, in things to come. And, and the biggest thing that we're taking a look at is what's going to happen from here on out. Okay, so the volatility that we've seen over the last 10 days has been uh, something that I haven't seen in the market. I can't ever remember seeing it in the market. And what we're taking a look at is it's all about inflation. And I want to read you something from uh, Larry Bear, who is somebody that I follow uh, and I have followed Larry for well over 20 years. And he kind of tells in layman's term, what's going on in the market. And that's perfect for me. So I can re-explain it to anybody that asks, uh, especially our listeners. But let me read this. It says, interest rate derivative traders, and I don't know who they are, expect at least four months of annual headline consumer price index readings at roughly 9% or higher from June through September. So it's not talking about interest rates. It's talking about consumer price index, the CPI that we talked about. And last week it was much higher than expected. And basically what it's saying is that what they're saying is that that it's inflation is not coming down, but it is actually probably going to accelerate over the next four months. So that would be the longest stretch if the CPI is over 9% or 9% or above since 1981. So in 1981, obviously anybody that was around remembers that interest rates were off the charts. They were in the 18% range, 16% range, and so forth. And basically that's what you're taking a look at. But Larry continues to write and he says, near-term Fed action is unlikely to change the CPI in the next few months because monetary policy changes tend to have a lag of 6 to 12 months, which by extension means the upward pressure on mortgage interest rates is not likely to fade anytime soon. So basically what's happening is we've got a situation where the Fed raised the interest rates by three-quarters of a point on Thursday or Wednesday. They came out Wednesday afternoon. I spent most of the week this week basically talking to people, uh, whether they were loan officers or borrowers, but basically talking to them about what's going on. Because as I've said in the past, that when you get this uh, inflation, when you get uh, upward pressure on interest rates, usually when it crosses over a certain number, when it crosses into the next number. So when it went from four and three quarters to 5% and then five and a quarter, then basically you have people that stop and say, hey, things are starting to get a little crazy. But what we've had is basically 
two weeks ago, interest rates were down at five and a quarter, and right now they're over six percent. Why did they jump up so fast? People want people want to know. Why did the stock market take such a heavy hit? People want to know. Basically, what's happening is, and I've said it on the show a thousand times, fear breeds fear. Okay. Fear breeds fear. Anxiety breeds breeds anxiety, and I think that that's part of what we're having. So what I think happened is the feds, somehow people started to figure out, maybe it was leaked, but somehow people started to figure out that they were going to raise the rates by 0.75%, which they did on Wednesday. And they started to realize that about three days before. So that's when we saw the stock market taking a nosedive. We also saw the interest rates going up very, very fast and very, very quickly. The the 10-year yield on the Treasury is over 3.5% now, and just a year ago it was at um, about 0.8%. So what we're seeing, oh, my wingman has just come in. So, Darren, right now I'm just boring everybody with what's going on in the market, okay? and so Keep going. So basically what we're taking a look at is is interest rates jumped up so quickly, and this is the first time that I've seen where panic is kind of hitting the market, where people are starting to say, hey, wait a minute. So I, I was just telling uh, the crowd, Darren, that um, the audience, that this is the first time I can ever remember that I spent a whole week basically talking to people about rates talking to people about what's going on, talking to people about, you know, uh, what to do. Uh, we've had situations where people that were going to build a house or, or are building a house have called and said, well, what do I do? How do I get out of this? I'm afraid. I'm afraid. So fear is breeding fear in the markets. And it's not a great thing right now. Um, but the message that you got to send or that I'm trying to send is, is things will settle down. They always do. Oh, yeah. Okay? When 2008 happened, I I was like, this is the worst thing that I have could ever imagine seeing. But by 2011, things settled down. They started to come back. Everything was good by 2012. Okay? So that's kind of where we are, and that's kind of what's going on is, um, you know, just this week has just been crazy with the interest rates. Uh, it's been crazy with everything, the phone calls, uh, the, you know, the doom and gloom. So I think that what's happened is now that we've gone over 6%, that we're starting to see the pushback. That right. We're starting to see the pushback now. And people are starting to jump on the sidelines. And people that were interested in buying two weeks ago are like, well, wait a minute. It's you're, you're telling me it's six percent when it's was five and a quarter two weeks ago, and the answer is yes. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're taking a look at, and I think I've bored everybody. No, long no, enough. no, that's good stuff, guys. Good to hear, uh, see everybody. So, um, welcome, welcome. Yeah, Terry, the, that's the thing I've been dealing with. I'm going to talk about real quick life on the streets and all that. And um, <clears throat> here's the thing I look at total actus 415. If we had seen inventory go, like, above 500 in the last week because, like, the sky has fallen, that would be a different conversation. So I think, like you said, reality is just setting in. There's just a lot of unsettlement, unsettlements and um, things happening with that. And I'm going to talk more about that. Resale 273, 20 average days on the market. We have gone up. 
but that's still relative to the norm, and the norm would normally be anywhere between 30 and 40 days for most price points. Okay. So, so that's not too bad. It was at 17, now it's up to 20. Yeah, it's gone up a little bit. Yeah, so it's climbing, which... But it's not climbing catastrophically. It's just little by little by little by little, we're getting more back to normal. Uh, new construction, 142 homes. Coming soon. This is the big one, 69. So in my opinion, I would say if we saw 110, 125 coming soon, like like jumping from 70 to 125 in a week or two, now I would say sellers are panicking. Okay. So we're not seeing that just simply because of the gridlock. Where am I going to go? I still hear a little bit of that. So, and there's a little wait and see kind of going on still. Pending on the contracts, four sixty-five uh, total uh, in resales. Three. That's that's total resales three hundred and eighty-four, um, and then sold in the last thirty days five hundred and fifteen. So we're still staying above five hundred homes in the county selling every month. That is pretty darn healthy. So obviously, anything happening today, what people need to realize is whatever happens today. We don't feel the full effects for about three months. So what we're dealing with today from three months ago, that was a different market. So that's the only reason why we just kind of keep a good eye on it. Those that have sold in the last 30 days, 11 days was the average time on the market. And the sold to list price is still almost 102%. So all in all... It's okay. It's okay. It's okay as far as all that kind of stuff like that. So here's the, some of the news and my thoughts are days of market increased from nine from four months ago to now 19 or 20. So that is about 100% increase, but that's over four months. So that's about 25% per month. Nothing to get too excited about really in a balanced normal market. Remember, 30 to 40 days, a seller market. A seller's market is the inventory of about 1,200 homes for sale in our county. That's what a lot of people want to know. How do we know when it's shifting from a seller's market to a buyer's market? What do those figures look like? And that's about 12. It could be actually about 1,300 homes possibly now because that is that ha- you have to take into account how many new homes are being built every single year in the county, which mm-hmm. causes that number to fluctuate. So it's probably, if I called Wayne Six, he'd probably say, yeah, probably a little closer to maybe 1,300 homes is a more balanced market. But if we're at 415 or so, we're obviously still a lot less than that. But then again, we were, um, you know, half the amount four or five months ago. Uh, we typically see a market shift when buyers market is about two things happen. Number one, inventory would get closer to like a thousand. That would be starting to get to be that full blown almost shift. And then uh, the second thing would be homes on the market for more than the average time in their price point location. So when we start talking about days on market, you got to look at two major things. You got to look at the price point because a home that's $250,000 versus a home that's a million dollars is very different as far as the expected norm time on the market. And of course, location drives everything. What's mm-hmm. the number one rule in lo- location, location, location? Give you a good example. I love to use this a single family mobile home on a parcel of land near Birmingham, Alabama is worth about 50 grand. Okay. But that same mobile home on a very, very small little tiny parcel of property on any beach or waterfront property in one of my favorite, Key West, Florida, is worth how much, Terry? How much? Mobile homes are probably in the 350 to 
five fifty range. Yeah, and you depending on land, you could be a million dollars in Key West, depending baby. if you own the land. Yeah, that's okay? it. Yeah, that's, if you're not paying ground rent. Yeah, and that's a whole other thing. Rent. So it could be millions. So that's the fluctuation you got to look at. Um, interest rates have doubled, as we know, in the last four months. We saw them go up to over five now, and now into six. Five years ago, the same thing happened. We talked about it, and then they came down very quickly to three or less to hedge off a slowdown in the market. COVID kicked in. The big boom, perfect scenario, more telemarketing, jobs, and the desire to have more space, bigger home, get that swimming pool, buy the trampoline, do this and that, anything to be outside and all that. Acceleration, slowing down, values or not. This is the biggest misnomer right now. Even with what happened this week in the stock market and everything else, values are not going down as a whole. It's just very small pockets and places. I've already expressed, I have two properties right now that in the last week or two, we have made a small price correction, and it is a much-needed correction because, because both these properties, we've had over 20 showings. One of them, we had one offer, didn't work out. Two, the other one, we've had two offers, okay. and the buyer remorse kicked in. One of them did an inspection. Nothing terrible wrong with the house. It's like new. It was all rehabbed. They just got cold feet. Okay. The seller had to realize <laughs> people are using the as-is with the right to terminate. They're not asking for anything to be fixed or done. They just want to get out. Why? Buyer's remorse. You can't control that kind of stuff. And then the second one is they they just rescinded the offer simply because of they didn't like want to wait. They were worried about this, worried about that, and some other things like that. So I predict that we're going to see um, – I predict still that we're going to still see values up as a whole by December 31st as an average of about 6% in the county. That's still a little bit above the average, okay? Um, what are some factors you can think of that would derail – appreciation winding up at 6% by the end of the year in our area. Interest rates going up. Yep. Uh, fear, breeding fear. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I've been dealing with all week. Okay. Okay. Is people are worried and I'm hearing things for the first time that are really concerning and it's not coming from just one borrower. It's coming from several borrowers. So, so the fact that you know, and, and I was thinking driving up here today because I had a lot of time because I was sitting in traffic just like you. Yeah. But one of the things I was thinking about, Darren, was was early on in this year, you and I made some predictions. Yeah. And I hope nobody pulls those predictions. <laughs> Don't go back in the drop down to do your not go back. Don't go back Jerry, in February because we blew a few of them. Because the prediction that I had mm-hmm. was I had that rates were going to probably go up to 4%, maybe Cross into the four and a quarter range. They're going to slowly raise rates. They're going to start slowing things down. And it all changed. My belief is it all changed when everybody called this transitory inflation. Okay. And I, I said that on was this, the bad, that was I, the bad word. But I did say on this show, you did. I did say, I don't believe it's transitory inflation. I believe that this inflation is real. And so what's happened is their interest rate changes and and just to let everybody know the fed's going to raise interest rates another three quarters of a point next month is my guess because what they do today yep does not show up exactly for about four or five months down the road and that's why it breeds the question why in the world 
Are we not going? Why are why are they not going to just let this play out for three or four months? Let's get through the summer into the fall and see how buyers react to buying cars, to buying this, to buying that, and just see how the confidence. Just to see if we can just level things off a little bit. Why is there no willingness to just let's let this play out? Let's just see how this works out. Yeah, but and and a lot of it comes down to 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 the gas prices, to the energy prices. Yeah, and and I don't know if this is true. But somebody said to me last night, uh, we were out to dinner, and somebody said that that since Russia started the war, everything has skyrocketed, yeah. Especially the fuel. Mm-hmm. And what they said was, in the first hundred days of the war, less people are buying from Russia. Yeah. But they're making three times what they were making. So they've actually have a surplus of a hundred billion dollars in a hundred days that and i don't know if this is true or not but it sounded legit is that because of the cost russia's not being pinched because the cost keeps going up on on the fuel so whether that's true or not i I don't know i'll have to check that fact but i thought it was an interesting thing so i think the fuel yeah, is the big factor here. Yeah, it is. Once you once we get that down, it affects everything: delivery costs, food prices, like everything known to man, and that's a big thing. So, we'll see how they do with that. I just know with my suburban, it's one hundred and forty dollars to fill it up. I appreciate that. Love that contribution every time. Um, I'm a Dave Ramsey fan, uh, as you know. The big thing: affordability, Terry. Um, he suggests you never want to have a mortgage that's 30% above your gross income. So for every hundred, for every $1,000 you make, your, your payment of your rent or mortgage should never be more than $300 per month in that category. So let's just say for fun, Terry, you make $10,000 a month. Your combined income, your income, whatever, where that's $120,000 a year. And some people say, man, that's a lot of money. Not really. Not household income around here so much. Uh, but let's just use that as a fun thing. You should never be then above $3,000 as a payment. Now. Very few people I know have a payment that is that high. I know a lot of people around Mm $2,500, but I have always said, Terry, there's something magical that happens in a buyer's brain, and I want to get this from you. When they see a payment of $3,000 in this area, not Montgomery County, but in Frederick County for the most part, um, something weird happens in the psyche of a buyer. When they see $3,000 a month payment, no matter, I figure, like, not not quite, but almost no matter how much money they make, it just takes their breath away a little. So what are your thoughts about that? Is Do you see people having with this affordability around 30% of people's income match out to be that's where their comfort level is? What do you see as a lender with those ratios? So I've seen this since day one when I got into the business. Mm-hmm. And interest rates were at 10%, okay? And they were coming down from 18%. Is a lot of it, so usually there's three types of people. The one that says, this is my ceiling. And you're right. The $3,000 is a, a lot of people stop at $3,000. That was like gas. That was like gas at $6 for my diesel. I'm like, do I want to drive my Jetta no more? No, I still will. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so so basically what you're taking a look at is, yes, that 3000 is a ceiling that I see a lot. Um, but the other thing that you asked is, do people say, hey, I want to stay 30% of my income? And the answer to that is a lot of people basically, if they say they have a number in mind mm-hmm. that they're comfortable with. So I was working with a couple the other night, 
And they said, the max we want to go is $1,500. And I said, well, what, what do you want to buy? They said, a single-family home, southern Pennsylvania, northern, you know. And I said, well, it's going to be $1,500. is going to be a real, real tough number to figure. With the way interest rates are, yeah. it's going to be north of that. Okay, yeah. It's going to be probably $1,800. They could afford... <clears throat> they could afford the $3,000 payment. Wow. Okay. They choose not to, which is great. So what that signals to me is that they have outstanding credit. Credit or debt? Credit. Okay. Credit. Because they don't want to push. They don't want to go to the top. But then if somebody calls me and they say, okay, we want to buy a house. And I say, well, wh where where's your limit? And they say, we want to know how much we can spend on a mortgage that's usually a sign of their credit is being pushed to the limit in all aspects okay so but yes the three thousand is a very strong ceiling that i see a lot um because that's that's a big mortgage payment that's yeah, a big that's mortgage big. payment that's big all right that's good to know and then the other thing i thought for sellers this is something i've noticed and this is good information in the past week terry 25 percent of all the active homes on the market have made a value correction 25 percent of them one out of four homes have made a, most of them it's a tweak my golden rule i've always told sellers is we're not jumping land into land and hitting the panic button and doing like five or 10%, we're going to cut it and slash it and discount it. No, it's not like that. Normally, 3%. 2 to 3%. 2 to 3, okay. I don't care what price range you're in. I don't care if it's a $100,000 condo, and I don't care if it's a $2 million McMansion. The bottom line is 2 to 3%. There's something that's just really sweet about getting the attention of the of the buyers with that number. It just works like 9 out of 10 times. I had one seller once. They're like, well, um, it was in a $700,000 range, and they're like, can we just come down 5000 No, that's not going to that's that's not going to do anything. Like that's going to that's not going to do nothing. But you start coming down 10 or 20, okay, now it starts to make a little bit of an impact and okay. stuff like that. So the thing we're not seeing yet, or like, um, and I did it this last week, we did, it, we did an agent bonus, $3,000 agent bonus. Did with, you really? We, yep, with an acceptable offer. You'll get $3,000. Why? Here's what I'm thinking. There's going to be agents with a slowdown in the shift of the market. Okay. They're going to need more money because we're going to lose half our colleagues if we're not careful. So I said to the seller, hey, great incentive. If the price makes sense, we're not really worried about an appraisal issue. Just give an agent bonus. There's nothing wrong. Or give closing costs. The other thing I offer, you could mm -hmm. do an agent bonus. You could do closing costs. You could do this. You could do that. You could do free pizza for a year. I mean, you could do anything you want, right? Not quite. But there's some good incentive. There's some good things that can really help buyers and agent buyers. And by the way, uh, an agent bonus, I had somebody one time say, well, isn't that coercing them having the agent to coerce the buyer to make sure they buy something they don't really want? It's more interesting for them. No, not really. That's why you don't do like a $10,000 bonus or something ridiculous where that would cause ethics to like go out the window. Does that make sense? Yes. It's just a little bit to say, hey, look, um, this is just, you know, you can give this. And what I find, what I've done is anytime I get an agent bonus, I end up giving a lot. If, if, if the buyer is not able to get a credit, like a selling closing cost credit, you, we as agents can give a credit to our buyers. You know that. Yes. And I do, I do a lot of that out of like any bonus or things like that to help out. There's nothing wrong with doing that. It's all ethical. 
It's legal. It's fine. It helps. It creates win-win situations where everybody walks away feeling good. And I've had sellers, they're really happy and they're glad to be able to give a bonus and help out, you know, with everything from closing costs to whatever to make sure everybody feels good and happy and gets what they want. Buyers, there is more inventory to choose from. This is good. I had a buyer yesterday I talked with that's looking at Virginia and they admitted they're really excited about more inventory, the things more to choose from. They're starting to get like three or four homes every single day come over in their search rather than one or none, which was they were losing their mind four months ago, right? Yes. So that is very positive. That and is increased. extremely positive. I love it. So this is actually good, good stuff. And uh, we'll see this even more and more as we enter into the mid and the end of the summer. And the buyers are now feeling good about having a better chance to get something that they really, really want rather than settling for something that they don't want. So, all right, life on the streets, the home I have on the Minoxie River. Gorgeous rancher, all updated, 20 acres of land, four bed, three bath at 689.9. We've had almost 20 plus showings and uh, doing everything we can, and we have two offers. And the thing is, we've had skittish, we've had buyer remorse kick in. This is the word of the week. I just realized out of everything that's going on, it's called buyer remorse. Now, you can have buyer remorse at any time, you can have it in a great market. People buying brand new cars and things, paying over sticker price. They drive off the lot and they're just like, why did I just do that? Well, that was the only color I wanted. They had all the features, benefit, you know. Hey, and it may last for an hour. Buyer remorse is actually normal. Big purchases, it's normal. If somebody doesn't experience it, I almost get nervous. I'm like, holy cow, you need to like go to sleep, roll over. You're fine. It's good. You know, um, but but this is the thing that I found with this particular property. We had two offered things. One of them, inspection, nothing terrible, just by remorse. And another one, you know, they just flat out, just, you know, over a few factors, they were just kind of like, eh, we don't really know about this right now. We're not sure. So the news, I think the biggest thing of buy remorse right now is stop watching the news. <laughs> that, yes. That's breeding like craziness and stuff. You just got to get into your mind and heart. What do I need? What do I want? What meets my goals? What helps my family? What's going to give me less stress? Terry, that's how I think it's good to operate, especially when it comes to housing, because you buy a house. I tell buyers all the time, you buy a house not for an investment. If you're buying it for an investment, you're thinking not right, unless you're an investor. Okay. Okay? You buy a house to make memories, to get out of the weather, to make it yours, to have peace and tranquility in a place you can call your castle. What happened to that stuff, right? And that's what it's all about. So we got about a minute left. What are your final thoughts? So uh, going back to the, you know, the the two contracts that they, the buyer remorse, do you think the buyer remorse has, how much do you think it has to do with the increase in the rates in the last two weeks? Uh, a lot because both of them had a loan. There was no cash involved. Okay. Now cash involved I don't know. You can still get buyer remorse paying cash for something. But I find that people start to uh, play it over in their head over and over again. Do I really want this payment? I think the buyer remorse comes from, darn it, my payment would have been how much less five months ago? That that Just don't even go there. Terry, let's just be honest. Don't go there, right? Yeah. So the last thing I'm going to say is that is that the people that buy these loans, the investors, the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, that buy our loans, of mm -hmm. uh, Fannie and Freddie will buy them, but they'll have people service them, and they buy the servicing rights. It is very, very hard right now 
with the volatility to get a higher rate with no points than it is to get a lower rate with some points. Okay. okay? And the reason that is is because they feel that rates are going to come back and those loans are going to be paid off. So they don't want those higher coupons on their shelves. So as bad as it may feel today, the people that make a living out of this are actually there you Goodbye. go. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to your Frank Real Estate Update. Tara and I are always here for you. Thanks so much for all your questions and things. That's how I get a lot of this content to share with you as well, and he does. So we'll see you next Saturday. Take care and have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day. Looking to purchase a home or refinance your existing mortgage? If so, Lawyer Signature Settlements is here to assist you with that process. Lawyer Signature Settlements is a local attorney-owned title company with over 100 years of combined experience conveniently located in Frederick, Maryland. We are licensed to conduct closings in the states of Maryland, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and West Virginia. With two attorneys on staff here at Lawyer Signature Settlements, we ensure the most thorough review process paired with affordable rates, accommodating scheduling, and outstanding customer service. So next time you need to place your signature on closing documents, call Lawyer Signature Settlements at 301 695 one two three five or visit us on the web at www.signaturesettlements.com we hope to see you at the closing table hello this is terry kernan with presidential bank mortgage in downtown frederick and the best way to reach me always is on my cell phone at 301-639-9244 301-639-9244 or you can always email me at t kernan at presidential.com and this is Darren Ahern from REMAX Results. You can reach me anytime, 240-344-1713. Again, it's 240-344-1713 or at DarrenAhern at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to your Frederick Real Estate Update. We will see you each and every Saturday right here on WFMD at 11 o'clock.